0: You have a culture, whether you know it or not. You're listening to The Game Changers with Jason Jennings. Leadership lessons in speed, productivity, growth, innovation, and reinvention. Now, here's worldwide best-selling author and speaker, Jason Jennings, and your host, Dale Dixon welcome to the game changers with Jason Jennings hey I'm your host Dale Dixon this is the podcast dedicated to leading highly principled people to their full potential and
1: uh, Jason Jennings always great to talk with you uh, Dale it's uh it's always great to be back with you this is a uh, this week these are a few moments of sanity in an otherwise crazy intense week
0: and I was just gonna say we've both had to carve out just this minute opportunity to have a conversation where we we can hit the record button and then share it with folks. And uh all that has gone into preparation for this on my end is wow, we are both running fast and getting a lot done. You'll notice I didn't say we're both busy. Right. You'll have right, to listen to a previous episode to know why. But tell yeah, we, me about yeah,
1: your week. Yeah, we don't we, we don't say we're too busy anymore because that means your life is out of control. And so we don't we just say we've got a lot of stuff going on. So tell me about this week. Uh, uh, Well, it was was very interesting. Uh, This week I had, uh, in preparation for upcoming speeches and teaching assignments uh, in the manufacturing and retail sides of the business, uh, I had 27 interviews this week um, with CEOs, uh, senior vice presidents, HR heads, business unit heads, and senior leaders. And I asked them all, two questions. But before I tell you the two questions I asked them, let me uh, preface it with this. Uh, Based on all the research for all of my books, uh, I came to a conclusion a number of years ago that the only thing that gives an enterprise any value are its people and the culture, and, and here's the reason why. Anything that any organization makes, sells, produces, or does, someday somebody's going to be able to do it faster, cheaper, better than you. Uh, any other organization can steal your people. Any other company can copy your marketing, copy your advertising. Uh, at the end of the day, there's only one thing they can't take, and they can't take your culture away. And so I believe that culture is ultimately the only thing that gives a business any value. And any company or any enterprise with more than two people has a culture. They either have the culture they want or one exists by default. And we'll talk about that in a bit. But if you don't have the one you want, the one that exists by default is absolutely toxic because what it is, is it's everybody looking out for themselves. So now back to these 27 interviews this week. So I asked these 27 senior leaders two questions. The first question was this, what is your culture? I think it's a pretty simple question. Out of 27 highly successful people, nobody could answer the question.
0: Out of 27?
1: Yeah. They pontificated. They mumbled. They jumbled. They finally spit out some words. uh, And uh, no two people at one of the same companies said the same thing. And I was absolutely shocked. And the second question, I'll lighten your lap right now, uh, what would you like your culture to be? No one knew or could say in a few words what it should be. And a number of them actually said, you know, we're just too darn busy around here doing what we do for that touchy-feely stuff.
0: It's, <laughs> it's not touchy-feely, uh, but nature abhors a vacuum, and if you... Let this go. So, what? Yeah, what? What is the? What's the result when you take that approach to culture? We're too busy.
1: We're too busy for culture. It's it's the touchy feely stuff. Um, It's the gather around the campfire and sing kumbaya stuff. Well, what happens is um, every organization uh, has a culture. They either have the culture where they say. This is our culture, this is what our culture is going to be, and everybody understands what our culture is, and the culture is cascaded throughout the organization, and everyone is seen as living the culture, and the culture is constantly celebrated and acknowledged, and you move the organization through the culture, either that's what you do, Or, in the absence, the culture that exists is everybody looking out for their own butt, everybody looking out for their own selves. And I can't begin to tell you how many times I've done culture audits in company where I've gone around with little index cards. And I've just walked through a company and said, take a card, take a card, take an empty card, take an empty card, take an empty card. card, And here's a pen. I want everybody to write down what the culture of the organization is. And so I'll hand out 15 or 20 cards, maybe decidedly unscientific, but I've, I've repeated this so many times. And uh, and then everybody hands their cards back in, and I stand and read them, and everybody has a different response. Now, just imagine this, uh, Dale, for a moment. Here's what would happen, and we'll repeat this at the end. But if everybody knew what the culture was or the culture the organization wanted to have, And in order to do that, you've got to be able to explain a culture in in a sentence or two. Uh, I mean, it can't be two or three paragraphs because nobody will remember it. Uh, It'll it'll be off target. It'll miss the mark. But imagine if everybody uh, in an organization understood what the culture of the organization was and what it aspired to be. Here's what would happen. One of the things I hear from high-ranking executives all the time is, how do I gain alignment? Well, you know, you're asking the impossible. How can you possibly have alignment if nobody knows what the culture is, or if no two people can express the culture the same way? So, if you had a culture and worked on a culture and paid attention to your culture, uh, you would gain alignment. That's number one. Number two, uh, people who didn't like your culture would leave. And as they say, and this is a good thing. I mean, you don't want people around an organization who don't want to be part of your culture because a culture speaks to who you are, your ethics, your mores, what you're trying to be, where you're trying to go, what you're trying to accomplish for all the stakeholders in the enterprise. So people who didn't like the culture, they'd leave. People who identify with the culture would then have a strong emotional attachment to the company or the enterprise, and they would stay, and they would be happy. And at the end of the day, number four, everybody would know the reason for doing what they do. So this is so simple, and I am amazed that in this time, people are not putting the emphasis on culture that should be put on Culture, and I don't believe they're too busy. I just don't think they've thought about it enough. And I really think at some point in time, uh, I, I, t- I talk to a lot of investment bankers and a lot of people in equity, and maybe the maybe what's going to take. Uh, to have everybody start paying attention to culture is actually, I guess maybe we do, maybe we call it goodwill right now. But let's let's get it on the balance sheet. What is the value of having a culture? Um, when people are analyzing businesses on a, on a financial basis, maybe they have to start analyzing them on a culture basis too, because in the absence of a culture, you've got a toxic one, everybody watching out for themselves. Let's address the myth
0: that culture is soft, squishy, touchy-feely, gather around the campfire, kumbaya.
1: Well, that's simply, that's simply not true. That, that, that that's not true at all. And anybody who believes that is really living in an age of dinosaurs and they will fast become irrelevant. I mean, study after study, research after research. I mean, people now understand that the culture of the organization is at the end of the day, the only thing that gives the organization uh, any value, because even if you occasionally lose people, the culture remains intact. I mean I, I think it's very black and white. I, I I don't even think I think we're beyond having to build a case for culture. I think everybody just has to acknowledge two facts. One, we're either gonna get the culture that we want that we build, that we celebrate, that we want to have in the organization or let it go and let's not pay any attention to culture and know that everybody who labors here is laboring here on their own behalf, they're covering their own backs and their interests come first. I don't believe there's any middle ground. Hmm. So for that person who's listening and now
0: grappling with this idea of thinking, wow, how would I answer that and how would the people in on my team answer the culture question? Tell me the story of a clear, concise,
1: easily stated culture that you've seen Mm -hmm. and the impact. Okay, um, the first one that comes to mind, and I've I've talked about this, I've, I've written about this company in my books, uh, in a couple of books, and I have, uh, I think I've I've mentioned Ingvar Kamprad and in IKEA uh, on a few episodes. Uh, here's IKEA, uh, the world's only global furniture brand. Uh, Ingvar Kamprad now reputed to be one of the wealthiest men in the world. Started out with nothing uh, in Sweden. What? Soever, and he will tell you he will tell you that they have a culture of not being in the furniture business. And you go, well, wait a minute. What do you what What, what do you mean? We're not in the furniture business? Of course, uh, we're in the furniture business. A culture doesn't speak to what you do. A culture speaks to why. You do what you do. And so we always keep coming back to this thing called purpose again. And as Ingvar Kamprad has told me and will tell anyone, we're not in the furniture business. It's a vehicle uh, that we use, but it's not the business we're in. We're in the business of improving the lives of the many. Rich people don't shop at IKEA. People who want to spend $100,000 decorating a home's interior don't shop at IKEA. IKEA exists to serve the many. Well, when everybody in an organization exists to serve the many, that's eventually, it becomes the culture of the organization. So how does it manifest itself? And I know I told you the story once before. Ingvar uh, Kamprad uh, has um, never flown uh, first class or business class, even when it's been offered to him, uh, free of charge because he thinks he has to sit in the back of the airplane with the many. Ingvar Kamprad doesn't stay alone in a hotel room, because uh, Ikea's policy is to have two people share a room, because they have to be among the many. And I know I told you this, when Ingvar Kamprad goes to a farmer's market, he goes in the afternoon when the prices are cheaper, even though he's a multi, 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 multi multi-billionaire, because he has to see himself as one of the many, and as he says, the day I stop being one of the many, everybody in the company stops becoming one of the many, and therefore I, I will no longer have the organization that we have built. And so it's in uh, it's in turning off lights in offices. Uh, because you want to be a good steward of resources. It's in working with all of the way it manifests itself is working with all of your suppliers, saying, last year you charged us $75 for this item, and we sold it for $110. We want you to be profitable, but can you sell it? Can you still make money and do it for $70 for us this year, and then we'll reduce our price too? Uh, Because they exist to uh, serve the lives of the many, what they celebrate most in IKEA or in the IKEA organization is when they can lower prices. They're constantly lowering prices. They lower uh, the profit that the vendor makes. They lower their own profit because they're out on a mission to improve the lives of many. And at the end of the day, they know they've got the whole world, and they know they're going to do extraordinarily well. So the, the culture just says everything about the organization. I mean, it spells out what the mores are. It spells out the guiding principles. It's It spells out the collegiality between other people. It's, it spells out the cooperation between people. It, it spells the end of silos within an organization. When And all it takes is somebody has to sit down, presumably, this is the owner, this is the CEO. This is the person at the top. At some point in time, you've got to put a stake in the ground, and you've got to say, "This is somebody's got to say this is going to be our culture," and then be prepared to cascade that through the organization. Somebody's got to step to the front and say, "This is what our culture is going to be." I mean, if you want to, uh, if, if you want to spend time with your trusted lieutenants and uh, your trusted advisors before you introduce the culture to the organization or the words of the culture to the organization, that's fine. But culture is also not something that's got to be processed by committees and studied for six months or 12 months and then come out with a manual on the culture. Then you miss the point. Then a person has totally missed the point. And I want to repeat once again, I said at the beginning, I don't care if you're a two man insurance office or a two person insurance office. Anytime you've got more than one person, anytime you've got more than two people, there's a culture and it's either the culture you want to have and the one you celebrate or it becomes toxic because you're only looking out for yourself.
0: This is going to sound like a softball question to you. The reason I ask it... I
1: could use one this
0: okay, way. Is, is to go to go deep in the, into uh, the how uh, for the person listening saying, my I, I, I'm struggling for an answer to the question, and I don't know that anybody in the organization would have the same answer I do. So who sets the culture
1: and how do they establish it? It's the owner... It's the boss in a department, Uh, it's the CEO of a company, it's uh, anybody who's wearing the stripes in a business unit, department, uh, or within a company. So that Uh, person's not
0: playing the part of facilitator with a group of people
1: from throughout the company. No, so, no, somebody's got to, to come up with this. this no, somebody's guy. got to, no, some, somebody, at some point in time, somebody, and it's the person in charge, the person with the stripes, okay. who says, okay, they sit down and they think about it. What do I want this culture to be? I want it to be this, that. No, not that. I want it to be this. I want it to be that. I want it to be this. And then it's a simple act of getting together with some trusted advisors or, or other senior leaders and saying, look, I mean, w- w- we don't have a culture here. I mean, and, and in the absence of a culture, I mean, a culture exists by default. That's everybody for themselves. We're not working in alignment toward the common good of the organization. And so here are my thoughts. So John, what are your thoughts? Mary, what are your thoughts? I I mean, Marjorie, what are your thoughts? Harriet, what are your thoughts? Michael, what are your thoughts? And and, and you listen to those people, but at the end of the day, you process and say, okay, I've listened to you. I've heard all of your input. You've delivered me some good stuff. And here is the final expression, two sentences of what this culture is going to be. And then you've got to ask the question, are you on board? Are you prepared to help me move this culture through the organization? It means we have to, every day, live our lives in accordance with the culture that we have proclaimed. You can't proclaim a campaign for the homeless from a penthouse apartment and have any credibility at all. Mm-hmm. And then, if you're, if, you, if you're with your cohorts, your fellow leaders, and one of them says, ah, this culture stuff stinks, I've got no time for this, well, guess what? They've just given themselves a pass to walk out the door and leave. Help them find something someplace else. I mean, you need these five or six key people around you in, in a larger. world, Organization who are then going and, and the and the way you move a culture through the organization is you don't proclaim it you start living it in all of your going in in all of your going out in all of your actions in all of your decision making and then you just cascade it through the organization that way and you will come to a point in time where everybody knows what the culture is. I remember Dan D'Amico at Newcore Steel, America's largest steelmaker, telling me about their culture. And he says, you know, we hire people. And he said, uh, if they leave, he said they leave very quickly because they just don't fit into our culture. Because at some point in time, everybody in the organization exudes everything about the culture.
0: And I love the fact that once that leader sets the culture Then it's all about alignment. The people who don't like it leave. The people who want to be a part of that kind of culture stay and are happy. And happy people are engaged and productive. And people know the reason for what they do, which is so important. It's their purpose
1: to get out of bed in the morning. Well, and I'll leave you with this. So I told you, uh, I've got an upcoming speech in the manufacturing space and one in retail. And that's what I was primarily, I did other work this week too, but that was primarily what I was working on. Talked to 27 leaders. Nobody could really express what their cultures were or what they wanted their cultures to be. And I know that one of the companies, because it's a question I ask people, what are your employee engagement scores? And in one company, they're down at about 69%, and the other company, they're down at about 57%. Mm. So if you're down at 60%, it means Forty percent of the people uh, are not engaged, and if you're down in the fifty percentile range, it means that almost half of all people are not engaged in what they're doing. And if they're not engaged, they're actively working in their interests, not yours. Wow, Jason Jennings, uh, and that's why I'm up, and that's why I'm out there doing the noble work we do. Absolutely, and so- and, lo- and, and 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 loving it, and loving it. Absolutely. Any final words for us? Uh, yeah, I mentioned this uh, several podcasts ago. I just learned about another company this week that made reading the reinventors mandatory uh, for the top several hundred people in the company. And so, what I did this week. Is I went back. I'm am I'm, I'm afraid to make this admission. I went back this week, and uh, I'm I'm up very very early every morning. And one of my tasks this week was to reread the reinventors. Darn it. There's. Uh there's some good stuff in there, and it's not me. And because I wrote it, I mean, I had a great research team on the book. Um, but if you haven't read the Reinventors, uh, as, as one of the leaders from this company said, it's it's become our bible. It's become our our business bible here in the organization. So uh, buy a copy of the Reinventors. Absolutely, thank you. Jason. And the other thing, and the, I'm sorry, Dale. And the other thing is this: if you found this helpful today, if you found this provocative today, if you know of somebody who needs to hear what we're talking about today. You know, it's not enough to listen every week and, and make yourself better. I mean, the great thing in life is to share. And so I would ask you, uh, in the next couple of minutes, as we conclude this episode, share this with somebody. Just click one of the buttons and say, Sam or Mary, I found this fascinating. I found this interesting. Does some of this apply to us? And just, and then that way, we get another listener.
0: To, to steal one of your lines, this is a resource. And the question is, how are you stewarding this resource? to get the most out of it. Jason Jennings is the author who USA Today calls one of the three most in-demand business speakers in the world. Find out how you can arrange to have Jason keynote your next event or leadership conference, and you can learn about his fees and availability. Just go to the website, jason-jennings.com, click the contact button, and follow the instructions. This is The Game Changers, the podcast dedicated to leading highly principled people to their full potential grab a hold of your purpose and live it out today. You've been listening to The Game Changers. Leadership lessons in speed, productivity, growth, innovation and reinvention with business thought leader, best-selling author and keynote speaker Jason Jennings. Read Jason's most recent New York Times bestseller, The Reinventors, and visit his website
1: at jason-jennings.com.